0: in here, and you are listening to the Millennial African Podcast.
1: It has been very difficult for Africans to travel anywhere. Even in Africa, the continent with more countries than any other continent. In a BBC report in 2008, Ali Kodangote. The richest man in Africa reported that he needs 38 visas in his Nigerian passport to be able to travel the continent. That is 38 out of the 55 countries. Meanwhile, many European nationals were into most African countries visa free. This is changing because as of January 2020, African nationals can now travel to 51% of the countries on the continent without needing a visa. For a lot of millennials who grew up in Africa, This restricted movement created bubbles in which Africans are exposed majorly to traveling to Europe, America, and Asia. We grew up knowing more about countries in these other continents than countries in Africa. How many of you guys listening know of or know where these countries are? Central African Republic, Eswatini, Guinea, Guinea Guinea-Bissau, Equatorial Guinea, Djibouti, or Lesotho? I mean, how many of you even know that there are three countries with Guinea in their names. See these bubbles of exposure had different intensity in different parts of the continent. For instance, in Central and Eastern Africa, there's more travel and movement than in the West Africa due to some instabilities in that region. Now as I travel, I have been creating connections with other Africans. We have a lot in common and some differences do exist. Even though colonial rule might be a big cause for the differences. The adoption of colonial languages has bridged the language gap. This allows us to interact and explore the similarities and differences that define our lives. So today, I'll be talking about some of these similarities and differences with my friend, Isaac. I met Isaac in 2009 in Rwanda. So you're welcome, Isaac. And is Rwanda in East or Central Africa?
2: Considering it is, it as uh, East and Central Africa.
1: So
0: you are Rwandan, right?
2: Yes, I'm uh, Rwandan, but born in uh, Uganda, you know, uh, during her dark uh, history. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm
0: oh, what was it like growing up in Central and East Africa?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so yeah, I mean, Rwanda is part of the East African community. And okay. uh, I mean, since we're uh, all the East African countries are pretty much so connected and uh, well, interconnected. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, culture... And uh, most importantly, during the, starting with our history, you know, even during the genocide, you find that many Rwandans migrated or went to the East African countries as refugees. Yeah. The majority went to Uganda, uh, but also Kenya, Tanzania, you know. Yeah. Um, so you find of intermarriages, you know, in East Africa. Mm. Uh, so for my case, we moved to Burundi, Tanzania, and finally, you know, settled uh, in Uganda as refugees. I mean, my experience there growing up, uh, wasn't really good, you know. You we were still a little bit, you know, being... So it, it wasn't really easy for me growing up in Uganda. But uh, shortly after, around uh, ninety seven I we went back to Rwanda, you know. Yeah, then, but I had to go back to Uganda for studies because Uganda had one of yeah. the best education in East Africa. They... Part of my primary school and uh, high school I did in Uganda. Okay. And then came back to Rwanda for, for, for university. So Uganda in general has over 50 three different tribes that oh,
0: speak different enough.
2: languages yeah but i mean tanzania has over a hundred tribes wow. <laughs> so yeah. for uganda is... <laughs> yeah so uganda yeah ha- i mean all the all the, the three speak different languages okay um yes particularly western uganda where i spent most of my time there are tribes uh, like the banyankore vachiga Batoro all those languages are much more closer to rwandan than other other all those tribes are much more closer to to Randis okay. than than other ugandan tribes much as it felt at home in western uganda it, uh, during those early years it wasn't really i mean i was still being you know sort of you know called names you know uh because our history you yeah. know, i didn't mm-hmm. really feel comfortable you know
0: uh uganda was uh, post colonial war Uganda from from the British
2: yeah, from the British yes
0: yes the which British. which of the languages was the most spoken though
2: in in Uganda
0: in Uganda yeah
2: yeah so Uganda it's uh i mean <laughs> different regions speak their languages but okay. generally it's luganda which mm. is so the, the tribe called baganda considers itself as um, natives of the Ugandan land buganda land right which is the biggest land in Uganda yeah. right yeah, I mean, even other tribes that come from other parts of Uganda, they always want to come to, to Kampala, which is the central, uh, which, which is on the land of Uganda, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So whoever is trying to get urbanized has to sort of speak Luganda, you know? So yes. yeah, makes Luganda... So they
0: can, yeah, can move to Kampala.
2: Kampala, the capital, yes. correct. Okay. Yeah. But also, so that's like the... The big, biggest spoken language there, but then the second is like uh, Rinyankole, which is spoken by the tribe uh, of the president uh, of Uganda, Museveni. Museveni, okay. Yeah, so I'd say the second uh, biggest language there is Rinyankole, uh, which is also the that tribe that's dominant in, the, in Western Uganda.
0: Wait, so then yeah. you speak one of these languages then?
2: Yeah, So I speak, uh, I speak Rinyankore. Okay. Yeah, Rinyankore, Ritora as well. Um, yeah, and Ruchiga because the languages are pretty much, uh, they are pretty similar.
0: Okay, so that's three. All right, and then how many other languages do you speak? <laughs>
2: yeah, so that's <laughs> in Uganda then. Um, yeah. So East Africa is bonded with, with Swahili.
0: Swahili, yeah. East and South Africa or just East Africa?
2: Mainly, I think for this African Union, you know, finally have african union in practice swahili would be the first language of choice you know for the whole of africa Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i can go to south africa and speak swahili i could you know a good number of people can try to understand you know yeah um yeah even i mean north africa you know
0: so, I know my university in Ghana, the University of Ghana, uh, there's an option to study Swahili. Well,
2: yeah, among other African languages, Swahili is, is common. Uh, in my high school, we we had to study Swahili, and that was in Uganda. Hmm. So, and, and also, schools here in Rwanda, uh, also, I mean, most of the schools give Swahili classes as, you know, as an option, a recommended option.
0: Oh, Okay. In West
2: Africa, yeah. I,
0: mean, I think the most widely speaking language might be Hausa.
2: It originates from Nigeria?
0: Yeah, I think so. Mm. But really, yeah. like, most of the northern parts of Nigeria, Togo, Benin, Ghana, Ghana, mm. even in the south, a lot of people, mm. but somehow associated with, like, um, Muslims, right? Ah, okay. Yeah. So I don't know how that is certain, but that's just how it is in Ghana is the biggest population in ghana muslim uh i don't have the statistics to confirm that yet that there's a big christian community mm-hmm. there's a big muslim community so I really can't tell okay yeah so anyway back to the languages in rwanda that is what and what again
2: then then back home in rwanda kenyaranda yeah so kenyaranda has like uh, four uh, official languages kenyaranda swahili english and french Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, I, sp- I speak all of those, but my French is very, very little. We used to speak French uh, as an official language.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah and then later on, changed, changed to English, right?
2: we changed to English. Uh, yeah. so I was, I was studying in the French system. Then when we switched to English, I also switched to the, it wasn't so long ago when we switched to the English system. So I'm more.
0: Besides the difficulty switching from French to English in schools, they didn't make like, you know, like. Interacting with people different or people who just continue to speak French.
2: Um, so it it I would say it really didn't affect not only me but rather generally didn't have a big uh, effect on us. Because um, for example in education, uh, even during the French time, uh, we we had uh, francophone schools that those schools that taught more in French mm-hmm. and anglophone schools the school you know uh, taught more in English. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I. I mean, all the like the French-speaking countries in Africa, I think, usually have also, you know, anglophone schools. Mm, okay. Uh, so they have, like, uh, English, the anglophone schools have, like, English as the dominating language, but still you not know, uh, teach French. Yeah, so even during the French time, I was, I studied in the anglophone school. Uh, we were studying French, like, 70%, but the language of conduct in the school was, was English. So English oh, okay. was dominating. Um, yeah. So after the switch, yeah, that's that's how the trend was. So you find that maybe the ones who are a little bit affected were the francophone schools, you know, that had to change everything to English. Mm, okay. Uh, um, yeah. Then also getting the teachers that uh, that knew English, so that 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 was where the biggest problem was getting teachers. So actually, teachers were taken to school to be taught English. I think that was uh, one of the biggest problems in education. Teachers had to go back to school to learn good, proper English. You know,
1: Ooh,
2: wow. um, that random teachers. Yeah, that was a that was a funny time. But those were like the random teachers. Uh, but also because of the East African community, I mean, most private schools uh, would get would hire teachers from Uganda, mm, Kenya, okay, yeah. the to fill
0: the gap. Had, yeah,
2: yeah, uh, to fill the, to fill the void. Um, yeah, but the Francophone schools are the ones that suffered pretty much. Uh, yeah, the, the ones that suffered most.
0: Yeah, you know, for us um, in Ghana to think most schools, even though English was the subject for conduct, you know, like instructions and everything, from primary school through to some high schools still teach French. But it's just oh, like... Uh, yeah, in Ghana. So you have a, like a two-hour period of French every week. Yeah, something like that, or like an hour period of French every week. Students never take it seriously, but, but there's always that one or two students in the class who who are always eager, do. you know, like they have their passion to learn the language, so they are the teacher's favorite <laughs> and everything. I mean, I had French lessons in school from, I think, maybe grade four, class four, to Genesis three. I wrote, did I write a French BC exam? I don't know if like the basic education exam I wrote French. Yeah, I think I did. What did I get? I don't, I don't remember my grade. I have to look it up. But then also in high school, I did French. Yeah, I wrote French final exams for the junior high school, right? Final exam. Uh-huh. And I go to senior high school and I did French for two years out of four years. And my French is still pretty basic. I keep telling people that it's better written than spoken. Because <laughs> I need my time yeah. to, you know, conjugate the yeah. verbs. I remember uh, what the verb well, is for what. Well, You know, I just, just, yeah, Yeah. but I can't really speak (laughs) anything. Yeah. So,
2: pretty at the base. I I can totally relate because not only me, but all the kids that started in the Anglophone schools up to now, they still pretty much know this basic French, you know. So, now what we realize now it's better for our kids to start off in French as the main language in school because even now we still have, although very few uh, schools that like our Francophone schools, uh, Francais. Uh, It's still pretty much Francophone. So um, what the millennial kids are opting for now is to have their kid first study French, you know, like pure French, yeah. then later move to English because it's easier a transition. Ah, Other than English
0: English first and then try to do the French, yeah. Because, yeah, I I think learning English is easier. I found that having to learn about the feminine and masculine forms of all the nouns was (laughs) very difficult. You know, like... all the articles <laughs> you need to know either the noun is masculine or feminine. Uh, uh le voitu. I don't know if it's love voitu or live <laughs> two or whatever. So that was always yeah, some of the difficult stuff. It, yeah. It, but it, English, it, a car is a car. Yeah. Right? yeah. I can spell it oh, though.
2: It, like, it, it, V-O-I-T-U-R-E. There's a voiture, there's a Van, there's all that, all that, all that, you know. Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> But you guys, I think when I was in Rwanda I realized that for most educated people, what's easier for them to at least know some bit of French and English, maybe the one is their primary and then they, they, they know how to speak a little bit with the other one. But for West Africans, it's mm. it's not like that. I feel like, uh, for instance, Ghana, it's surrounded by three Francophone countries, right? Yet it's like only the people close, to, you know, like the border citizens who are free to cross into the country, uh, the ones mm. who know the languages, right? And even that, like, for mm-hmm. instance, our um, eastern, southeastern uh, border called Aflao, it's it's mm-hmm. an Ewe town. Ewe is a tribe. And then on the other okay. side is Togo, right? Lome. Okay. And that side too, the people there are Ewe, oh. you know, like, so when the boundaries went up, they split the tribe into two. Some of them remain in Ghana, somewhere in Togo. And they speak Ewe ah, ah, and okay. they speak French too, right? But the further mm-hmm. in, inland you go into Ghana, the French is like, just like non-existent at all, even though we are surrounded by f- three French countries. Uh, so, yeah, but for by you guys, I feel like there's more movement between the countries. And so the languages transcend the borders and people pick up on another language.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. So saying the whole of East Africa, you only need your ID, uh, movement, trade. This is pretty easy in the African region.
0: I think West Africa is the same thing because about two or three years ago, I was going to Togo and I decided to use my Ghana Voters ID instead of my passport. And yeah, they allowed me to cross. But what about the ease of this travel? You know, if you wanted to go to Uganda, uh, Burundi and uh, DRC, would you go by road? Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, I would go by road.
0: And is it easy, comfortable, convenient?
2: Yes, easy. The... On-ground road networks are pretty good. The roads are pretty good connecting all the African countries. I mean, South African countries have taken action on making sure that road connectivity through the borders are, is pretty good. You can go by road from Uganda, from Rwanda to Kenya. That means you pass through either Uganda or Tanzania.
0: Oh, okay, that's convenient then. When I was coming to Rwanda, I didn't need a visa, so that was good. Yeah, so I mean,
2: for up now, don't need a visa, as well as countries in the Commonwealth, yeah. don't need a visa to come to Rwanda.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think the same thing with Ghana though. Countries in the Commonwealth you don't need a visa. Okay. And I know you can go from Ghana to Nigeria. People always forget that there are two countries in between Ghana and Nigeria. So I always keep mentioning that there's Togo and Benin. Yeah. So you can go by road through Togo and then Benin and then Nigeria. And then I don't know anybody uh-huh. who's gone by through Nigeria to Cameroon, because Nigeria is pretty big, right? It would take you like maybe more than twenty four hours to cross the whole country. That would be a nice road trip to do though.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, but that that would be pretty long.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, last year, 2019, I really wanted to go to Abidjan, but things just kept getting in the way and I couldn't make the trip. But it would have been exciting because there is um an Akan population in Abidjan. I met somebody recently here in Canada who's from there and we discussing it. I might have him as a guest on this podcast, actually. There is like a tribe in Ghana who were settled in abidjan but when the colonial borders went up they were also caught on the other side and it would have been nice to just go there wow. meet people and see yeah so but anyway so how about africans traveling abroad isaac you work in rwanda you work in traveling tour, all right mm-hmm, correct yeah so do you ever get documentation for rwandans to travel abroad
2: our main market, our target market, are uh, North America, Europe, and other parts of Africa coming to visit. You know Rwanda and
0: East Africa. Mm. So Rwanda has a big tourism industry, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Our top five foreign ana in terms of uh, GDP is our uh, second ana. Oh, okay. The whole services industry is a biggest contributor to our GDP.
0: Oh, okay. Well, what about personal experience? You are in Canada right now. How is it like for, you know, Rwandans to travel abroad?
2: I would say things have been changing for the better. A few years ago, it wasn't that easy, you know, to get visas and all that as Rwandans. But now the reception is positively different. It's pretty easy to get visas. Rwandans are more now exposed, you know, to traveling, to doing business. Mm -hmm. The more Rwandans are traveling, not only to do business, but for pleasure. The whole of this stuff. I've done quite a number of tours for Rwandans, wanting to go for honeymoon for just holiday in Nairobi, in Zanzibar, in East Africa, pretty much. So now they are being more open to that now as compared to the past years. So that that also, by the fact that it's easy for them to get all these visas. Okay. Yeah, so personally, I mean, I think the reception is positive now. Traveling back then, when you said, Yoranda, the look on the password wouldn't really be welcoming, but now I don't remember what I was traveling to, and someone asked me if I told them I was Yoranda. The face reaction was pretty welcoming. Okay. And then you find that even other countries now, Rwandans don't need visas to go to some foreign countries.
0: No, Rwanda has been doing really well now and everybody out there is beginning to to really be interested in what's going on in the country. It's been credited names like the Silicon Valley of Africa and mm. uh, the tech city Kigali. And I mean, it was really cool when I was there to see all the millennials doing the great jobs that they're doing sponsorship thing with us now that says visit rwanda yeah, yeah so i think now pretty much rwanda is out there people are learning about how to visit rwanda and how to go and see what rwanda has to offer and remember bisoke okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah we had a good time there and we couldn't imagine like the number of tourists i knew it was a tourist hotspot but yeah, when i yeah. saw no, yeah we're trying to get like the pass to go to how to mount the to hike the mountain and the number of, tr- it was a Wednesday morning <laughs> and the number of trucks out there. Oh my goodness. Oh, you still remember the day? Wow. <laughs> yeah. And we, oh my, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was incredible. And the gorilla I, attractions and we met a couple who had seen it, I think twice. Like, yeah. The like gorilla? Twice in the day. Yeah. They paid that amount of money to go see them the first time. And then they paid to go see the gorillas again. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, but I no, mean, I mean was... the
2: fact that the, the girl experience is like, you know, no other, because it usually, it doesn't do, do you justice seeing them only once. Mm, okay. first time you're like overwhelmed, you know, you you want to take pictures, you want to be in the moment, so you just get confused, you're, you're there frozen in the moment,
0: you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, you feel to be in the moment the first time.
2: So the first time, it's more of taking pictures and all that, getting excited, then the second time, that's when you really, uh, it takes you somewhere else. But I mean, um, even in the first time, if, if you can manage to contain yourself, your excitement. Yeah. And just be silent there with them. Only for three yeah. seconds. You can look into, you, you're not advised to look into their eyes, you know?
0: Oh, okay.
2: And to feel dominant. But if you can be there in that moment, you're silent and manage to steal a glance, at their eyes. Yeah. Just for a second. They like take you in their world. You, it, it, I don't know. It, <laughs> you just have to experience. <laughs>
0: Next but time I'm out there, I definitely need to go and see the
2: gorillas. Can't help thinking. I mean, there's this other thing in this world that looks like me. More than ninety-eight percent is just like me, you know. <laughs> yeah, it does everything just like me, you know. And you just can't help think of that. And once you do, I mean, you just you get lost in their world. It's an experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely need to go and see them next time I'm there. Though,
2: so. When you actually think about that, the money you pay the ticket to see them, you feel it's nothing, you know? Because for me, I mean, $1,500 would be quite some money, you know? But yeah. uh, for that experience, I would still pay that much
0: money. It's so worth much. it then. That's what you're saying. It's worth it.
2: So much worth it, yeah. After the, after the hike, you guys, we, we met again at you know, the river. That night to share dinner, then that was like the next day, right?
0: Yeah, no, it was the same night, yeah. Thank you guys for inviting us, you know. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> How often do you meet people from other parts of Africa and think they are too different from me or they are too similar? Because I, I remember in Rwanda trying to ask people if I could pass for a Rwandan and sometimes people said, yeah, sometimes no. I think only once somebody said, no, you look like I'm from West Africa, but he said Nigeria and I said Ghana. He's like, oh, okay. So yeah, so yeah. can you tell? Because I feel like when I see people even on screen on T V and I can tell if they are from East Africa or from West Africa.
2: Yeah, I think it some applies to me. Um random you can I can easily tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Like recently there's a movie called uh on Netflix called uh the story of uh C J, Madame C J.
0: Oh yeah, I yeah. Uh, Self made, yeah. Yeah. So
2: there's a yeah, there's a yeah, that was There's a random in in the movie, and so there's a random lady who was you know in something and she was yelling some stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, every random that watched the movie, you could tell. Oh, yeah, could tell that, that is random. So you know, the next day on Twitter, everyone was like, "Guys, someone <laughs> should give us info about this girl." <laughs> and I've had personal experiences as well you know I went somewhere and you know people would tell I'm Rwandan also for me I can easily tell Rwandans, you know uh, everywhere I go then coming to the wider east africa I can easily identify Ugandan uh, some different tribes I can know this is this tribe but other tribes I can't really tell
0: huh.
2: um yeah then Kenyans I can identify Kenyans. yeah I
0: think Kenyan's I can identify Kenyans like, too yeah
2: I can uh, Kenyans have different tribes as well but I can't really tell which tribe
0: is which for Kenyans I think I basically look at yeah complexion
2: Yes. it's for me it's a combination of many things also the accent oh yeah the, um, yeah, definitely <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> then tanzanians as well I, I think Tanzania is more on the skin complexion they are more light skinned. um
0: mm, okay
2: and and they're swahili as well and they're english east africa is for me it's easy to, to identify them uh the tribes have different cultures you know um okay. but but more most importantly i think Radans uh, as well as uh, Ethiopian, Somalian, uh, Eritrean, if they were all in the same place, it would be, it'd be difficult
0: for to, you to yeah, this, yeah differentiate uh, yeah.
2: Because uh, I've been at an airport and and some Ethiopian lady mistook me, me, me for an Ethiopian. She started speaking.
0: <laughs> I know we are talking about a lot of tribes and a lot of nationalities, but the point of the matter is that we are all black Africans and. We are still one people. It's just exciting to see the diversity and the cultural yeah. differences that exist amongst us. Let's try to wrap it up now. You are in Canada now. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the pandemic experience in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you only got here just a few days before the partial lockdown, so you haven't really experienced yeah, yeah. it so far. right?
2: Yeah, I mean, as soon as I got here, I mean, that's when you know the lockdown started. Mm-hmm. yeah but i mean i love traveling though so i really wanted to explore canada i started british Columbia in in my high school other parts of canada north america so i really, really wanted to explore those parts go check them out i think the the downside of the lockdown was i wasn't able to go and explore them you know but uh mm. i think i like how the canadians are handling you know the whole lockdown people are being more cautious you know moving out. yeah which which gives me a sense of security you know I don't have to be paranoid, you know, thinking people are just <laughs> I mean I'm loving it. And not just the people, I mean, even the, the government is pretty really much taking the right steps. you know, they're not rushing to open up. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm loving it, here. Yeah.
0: That's good. I hope you're able to do all of this after the lockdowns are left. It. I, for one, for my trips, I got in all of the destinations I wanted to go and see before the lockdowns, so we I was We should catch
2: one man, we should catch up for maybe you know, one of the places, British Columbia, Vancouver. <laughs> Do another hike again in Canada.
0: Yeah, definitely. Have I been to BC? Uh, no, okay. I haven't been to. Well, I've been in the territory. Um, me and my friends drove into British Columbia once two years ago. But mm-hmm. we were in the countryside. We're seeing some mountains around Banff, which is in Alberta. So, yeah, but uh-huh. I haven't been to Vancouver or any of the major, major cities. Yeah. I think that'll be it for today. Um, so Isaac, thank you so much for making the time out <laughs> to talk to <laughs> me today. And yeah, I hope my listeners got some ideas about life in East Africa and growing up and living in East Africa. Right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we've got that covered. I will put his Instagram in the description for wherever you found this episode. So you can look him up. Uh, if ever you are in East Africa you can let him link you up to some tourism associated services. He'll give you the best prices, although he might not give you discounts right now. <laughs> Even
2: just to make friends, I'm more driven to you know connecting the world and making friends.
0: <laughs> All right, Isaac Charlie, thank you so much, yeah.
2: Hasta la vista. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys so much for listening and subscribe and share or tell a friend about it. And until next time, take care.